Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, we're loaded today, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 I'm not a liberal. I'm not talking about having had a big-time happy hour before the show. No, no, no. We're loaded with lots of stuff to discuss today. And the question is, what do I begin with? I already know. Ladies and gentlemen, I need your patience. I need your patience for this, particularly you suburban women out there who get a little queasy, a little weak. You want to vote, you know, uh, for only your best interests, apparently. We're told that you support abortion on demand, in fact, after birth abortion. You want free uh, birth control. This is what we're told. You apparently want open borders. You want massive debt. Apparently you like busing. You don't mind if your health care is destroyed. And so many of you apparently are leaning against voting for President Trump because you don't like a tweet. Well, this is what we're told. This is what the numbers apparently show. Well, let's try this, America. David Burton writes for the Daily Signal at the Heritage Foundation. And he says it's arithmetically impossible to fund the progressive agenda just by taxing the rich. Now, Bernie Sanders won't tell you what his programs cost because he knows two things. They're absolutely outrageous, and he can't put a number on it. Because if you understand Marxism, Marxism has as its purpose the destruction of the existing society. Oh, yes, it focuses on material determinism and so forth, but what I'm saying is it goes hand-in-hand with police state, fascistic, centralized government. Do you know a democracy, seriously, that is communist? A republic that's communist? Of course you don't. Do you know a free people who are communist? No. You see, you never get to that Marx nirvana. What's supposed to happen is everything comes together and eventually when they've wiped out the existing society and replaced it with egalitarianism, there's no more need for government. Well, Mark, that's so stupid. Yes, I agree. But that effectively is what its soft sister socialism is based on. And Burton points out that it is arithmetically impossible to pay for progressive promises by just taxing the rich. They're too expensive. The amount of income earned by the rich is too small. Even using lower estimates, confiscating every single dollar earned by every taxpayer with incomes of $200 or more, that would include families, you know, with a cop and a firefighter or two teachers or whatever. 
would only pay for about half of the progressive agenda. And that figure is based on the false assumption that people would continue to work, continue to save and invest when subject to a 100% flat tax, again, on incomes at $200,000 and over. The reality is that progressive promises can only be funded by increasing taxes and massively on the middle class from three to ten times their current level or for a limited time by dramatic and unsustainable increases in federal borrowing. Now, isn't it interesting that none of what I'm telling you will be used at the next Democrat debate by any so-called journalist because it's written by the Heritage Foundation. But you're not going to get a serious, studious examination of the numbers by left-wing think tanks. You're certainly not going to get them by the media. Again, this is a very damaging thing the media do to this country. So confiscating every dollar earned by taxpayers with incomes over 200000 would not come close to paying for the left's agenda. Okay? Not even come close. The new American progressive or socialist agenda would require nearly doubling federal expenditures. Doubling them. More expansive proposals could increase federal spending by 161%. The CBO 10-year federal spending baseline projection is $57 trillion, or 22% of which will be debt-financed. Progressive proposals for single-payer health insurance would increase federal spending by 32 to $33 trillion over 10 years, a 58% increase in federal spending. The Green New Deal, and which guarantees jobs as well, or universal basic income and all those. Six free college, uh, a free college education. Other proposed programs would cost tens of trillions more. In the aggregate, to implement the programs that progressives or socialists have promised will cost approximately $48 trillion to $92 trillion. This would amount to an increase in federal expenditures of between 84% and 161%. The total government would change. Over a 10-year period, now what about, excuse me, state and local governments currently spend, excuse me, 13.7% of GDP. Assuming state and local government spending and GDP remain constant, then combined government spending would reach 55 to 73% of the gross domestic product if they get their program. So what he's saying is 55 to 73% of every good and service created in the United States would go to the government. 45 to 27% would stay in the private sector if people continue to work. And if you take 100% of somebody's income, they're done. So it'll destroy our economy. There's simply no question about that. Now, what about taxing the rich? Data from the IRS. Is this boring people, Mr. Producer? Maybe it is. Data from the IRS. This is important. These are your lives. This is what the Democrats are running on, particularly you uh, suburban women, suburban mothers. Wake the hell up! Data from the IRS statistics of income show that imposing a 100% flat tax 
On those with incomes of $1 million or more would increase federal revenues by $986 billion annually. So a policy of actually confiscating all earnings of those who, with incomes of over $1 million would not even eliminate the federal deficit, currently at $1.1 trillion a year, let alone pay for utopian progressive causes. You could take every penny from everyone or every family that earns a $1 million income or more, and you can't even pay for this year's deficit, let alone trillions and trillions more in new programs, let alone the existing entitlement programs. Now, this figure reflects taxation of all income, including the first $1 million at 100%. Doesn't even take into consider federal payroll taxes, state and local income taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, already paid by this group. Confiscating all remaining after-tax income of those with incomes of 500000 or more would increase federal revenues by about $1.4 trillion annually. This assumes confiscation of their first 500000 in earnings as well. This is enough to eliminate the one-year federal deficit, but that's it. If the federal government were to confiscate all remaining after-tax incomes of those earning $200,000 a year, that would increase federal revenues by $207 trillion annually. So they would literally have to confiscate every penny earned of any one or couple or family that earns $200,000 or more. That would be $2.7 trillion. The federal budget today is slightly over $4 trillion. Do you see the context here? You're not going to get this from your media. You're not going to get this at these Democrat debates. Hey, I have an idea. What? Guaranteed minimum income. Okay. Guaranteed college. Yes. Green New Deal. Okay. Eliminate college debt. You got it. What else do you want? Medicare for all. You got it. (coughs) You get it? We didn't add in reparations yet, whatever that means. So this would be a one-time revenue increase. Once such confiscatory taxes were imposed, these taxpayers wouldn't work anymore. Why earn any income? Why invest? Why get any capital gains? So you would kill the economy. In fact, one state and local income and payroll taxes were taken into account. Earning additional income would actually cost these taxpayers money, since the effective tax rates on incomes over the threshold would exceed 100%. In other words... You're paying 100% of your income, plus you're paying a payroll tax, various withholding taxes. So you're paying over 100% on every dollar you earn. And it still doesn't work. It still doesn't work. So taking all the income of all taxpayers earning 200000 or more would only fund somewhat over half of the progressive agenda using the lower cost estimates Using the higher cost estimates, a 100% federal tax on all taxpayers earning 200000 or more would only fund 29% of the progressive agenda. Disaster. Now what about the middle class? Everybody believes they're in the middle class. This is supposed to be the most noble class. Marx set it up. Oh yeah, all these classes. We don't have classes in America, but Marx set it up. The progressives adopted it. The income tax now has classes. We're in a class. What happens to the middle class 
if all the Democrat scams, I mean proposals, are adopted? What happens to you? I'll explain when we return. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is important because the Democrats are running on a Marxist socialist agenda. That is an impossibility, but nonetheless, they're going to push it. And when you push an impossibility into a real economy, you destroy the economy. In fact, you destroy the society. This is crucially important. Now, what about the effect of all these Democrat proposals on you, the so-called middle class? Well, confiscating all income of all persons with income was over 200000 and confiscating the income of all corporations would raise at most $34.6 trillion, or between only 37 and 72% of the cost of the progressive agenda. So in other words, if all your income is taken from you at 200000 and above, and all income is taken from every corporation in America, not change the tax rate, well, yeah, to 100%. It still doesn't pay for their programs. So how is the progressive agenda actually going to pay for it? The answer, the only arithmetically possible answer, is that the radical progressive agenda must be paid for by radical increases in the tax burden borne by middle-income taxpayers or dramatic increases in federal borrowing, which is already through the roof. It's already sufficiently high that the national debt our debt is projected to grow relative to the size of the economy for the indefinite future. In other words, it's going to keep gobbling up chunks of our economy. The economy cannot grow fast enough to keep up with the debt. He says this is unsustainable and cannot continue indefinitely as it sits right now. As it sits right now. Progressive policies, if enacted and debt funded, would accelerate the day of reckoning, not put it off. When the inevitable debt crisis occurs, taxes on the middle class will have to be raised suddenly and radically. Middle and lower income taxpayers do not currently bear a high federal income tax burden. In 2015, most re- recent year data, the top 10% of U.S. taxpayers paid 71% of income taxes. 
The top quarter paid 87% of all income taxes. Middle-income taxpayers do pay substantial federal payroll taxes, but that funds Social Security and Medicare, both of which are highly progressive once the benefit structure is taken into account. Medicare taxes pay only about one-fifth of the cost of providing the program's benefits for an average worker and three-fifths of the cost for an high-income worker. So in other words, it's, a, it's a, a debt creator. So even in the fantasy world where all income of those earning 200000 or more, all corporate profits confiscated, and yet those individuals and businesses continue to earn the same income like they're going to continue to work and stay in business, it still doesn't add up. It can add up. It would be a disaster. Now, taxpayers, you, with an adjusted gross income of less than 200000 annually, most of you, you paid $610 billion in federal tax, taxes, uh, federal income taxes in 2016. Ten times this amount gives you a 10-year figure of $6.1 trillion. To fund the lower cost estimate of the progressive program, not the high end, be necessary to increase middle-income taxes by $13.2 trillion to three times their current level, an increase of 216%. So you truck drivers, electricians, plumbers, HVAC workers, Uber drivers, taxi drivers, bus drivers, construction workers, bricklayers, people who work at restaurants, on and on and on, your taxes under the Democrat plans, you know, the people, they work for the people, would have to increase at least 216%. That's your income tax. I'm not talking about state taxes, property taxes, payroll taxes. To fund the higher cost estimate shortfall, your taxes would have to go up 948%. So it's up between 216% increase, and this is immediate. Or 948% increase, almost a 1,000% increase in the real world. The necessary middle income taxes would be radically more since the hypothetical $27 trillion, well, he gets into, in other words, he says it can never materialize because people change their conduct. If somebody were to raise your taxes by 1,000%, would you keep working? Why would you keep working? If you start a business and somebody would take your income, federal income taxes at 100%, why would you keep the business open? He's saying the Democrat proposals in the aggregate are so unconscionable, so fa- fantastical, that we're not even having a, a logical, rational, real-world discussion about what they're up to. And I'm adding these debates that they have a complete fraud. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens 
and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. The American media, when you really think about it, is filled with such stupid people. Leftists, for sure. Progressive social activists, for sure. But they truly are stupid people. Andrea Mitchell, I, I mean, go down the list. Don Lemon, hey, Don. What about that disgusting lawsuit against you? Now there's an eyewitness. What the hell are you doing at night, Don? Keep your hands to yourself, pal. You and Fredo there. Uh, but in any event, Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper. Who's the goofball? Uh, the other uh, uh, Chuck Todd? These are serious issues. I just spent 30 minutes on it. Imagine if the whole nation knew what the Democrat agenda was about. Instead, what do they do? They're talking up a recession. You actually have Democrats in and out of media, some in entertainment, who are rooting for a recession. In other words, they're rooting for many of you to lose your jobs because power is everything, politics is everything, and they're utterly unaffected. Their jobs are unaffected. They're in entertainment. They're in Hollywood. Their life is built around politics. So they want a recession, because they want to defeat Trump. But we're not in a recession. Well, they keep pushing a recession. Well, we might be in one next year, maybe two years. Well, I don't think we will be. Where the hell does this come from? And so day in and day out, now we have recession talk to try and get you, Mr. and Mrs. Consumer, to stop buying stuff. Particularly expensive stuff like homes. You can now get a mortgage at 3.65% or something, 30 years. You don't have to have to buy any points. It's incredible. With American financing and others, now's the time to strike. I'm just giving you my advice. Automobiles, it's the end of the model year. You got companies out, you got Lexus out there with 0.9%, Chevrolet out there with 0%. Now's the time to strike. Meanwhile, the media's talking up recession, recession, recession. Everything's holding fine. The war with China, the trade war. The trade war? China's stealing us blind. They're stealing our technology. It's costing us over $600 billion a year in theft. If some jerk goes to a 7-Eleven and grabs a pack of cigarettes and runs out, that guy's doing time. China takes $600 billion, steals it out of our high-tech sector. We're supposed to turn the other way. Well, we're not turning the other way. This is why they hate Trump. He's shaking things up. 
He loves this country. You don't have to agree with everything he does, but that's his core. That's what he's about. He loves this country, and he's shaking things up, and he's shaking up the establishment. He's shaking. He already shook up the establishment in the Republican Party. Romney's over there still licking his wounds like a, uh, like a dog. But he's shaking up the establishment now in the Democrat Party. He's shaking up the establishment in business. He's shaking up the establishment in the media. And they don't like it. They're scared to death, and they ought to be. And look at their, look at their intelligent, substantive argument. You know, they call themselves elites. They're not elites. They're pathetic. They're answered everything. Well, he's a racist, for God's sakes. What? A racist. He's a racist, racist. Well, what about his trade? Ah, racist. Opportunity zones and inner city. Ah, racist. Unemployment, lowest ever from an art. Racist. That's their answer. Now they put out polls. What? Almost 18 months before an election, whatever it is. 15 months before. Look at these polls. Polls don't matter. Those polls mattered. Ronald Reagan would have lost the first time around, and he would have lost the second time around in two landslides. But he won in two landslides. Too damn early to be doing polling, quite frankly. What is that called? People who've read on Freedom of the Press. Pseudo news. It's created. It's concocted. It's created. But here we have real news. Democrat proposals. Democrat proposals. And nobody talks about it. Apparently it's boring talk radio. It's boring cable TV. It's boring during debates. And yet this is life and death. If the Democrats get their way. Bernie Sanders is a red. He's not a nice old man. He's a lousy, good-for-nothing red. That's what he is. That's what he is. And they treat Elizabeth Warren, oh, look, she's, she's taking the progressives from him. She's another nut job. But they never hold their feet to the fire, do they? Ever. Ever. Because the media are too stupid as a collective. They have a very low IQ. They're irrational. You know what the media are? They're Antifa without the violence. How do you like that, Mr. Producer? They're Antifa without the violence. They, ca- they, they kind of cover up what they're really doing. Some of them, not all of them. They kind of cover up what they're doing. But they're doing it nonetheless. They're beating the hell out of our system of government. Look at the New York slimes. That paper shouldn't be in business. If you're going to cover up the Holocaust, how can you have any credibility of any kind at any time about anything? If you're going to cover up Stalin's genocide against the Ukrainians... Worse than that, serve as a propaganda wing for him in the United States. How do you have any credibility whatsoever? I spent a little time today looking at the genealogy of the New York Times. Genealogy of the New York Times. Sorry, my mouth broke. You know, when you've been sick, the head doesn't doesn't always follow the brain with the mouth. It's a funny thing. The genealogy of the New York Times. What an inbred operation, Mr. Producer. What an inbred operation. This, the, you got the Ox, and then you got Ox, and Sulzberger, and Sulzberger, and Ox, and Ox, and Sulzberger, and, and then another guy, and then more Ox, and Sulzberger, and hey, why he hands it, this one hands it to the son, daughter, the daughter hands it to the grandson, 
The grandson temporarily hands it to a nephew. The nephew temporarily hands it back to the brother. The brother, you go, holy crap. But don't worry. It's the paper record. Chasing Russia collusion for two years and now racism. And that America was founded in 1619 with slavery. I have a question asked. Did slavery not exist almost everywhere in 1619? I'm just curious. We know it existed in Africa. We know it existed in Asia. We know it exists in the Middle East. Those are three places, by the way, where it still exists. We know it existed in much of Europe. And it existed in America. That wasn't America's founding. That's not America's founding. That's not the founding of the United States of America, 1619. So now the New York Times is not only a disgusting propaganda machine for the radical progressives, it not only has a stain on its resume that is <clears throat> that, it, that, that, it, that cannot ever be removed, it wants to do more damage. Just like the Democrat Party, which is why I called the Democrat Party press in the book. You have a bunch of inbreds running that damn thing. Ideological inbreds, too, in my humble opinion. Now we move to the Washington Compost. Oh, that's a paper, isn't it? Not too predictable over there, but they have a piece by Chelsea Janes and Michael Shearer. Oh, Michael Shearer. Has he won a Putzular Prize, Mr. Producer? A Putzular Prize. We're handing out our own prizes. So, Michael Shear, I'm handing you the official Putzular Prize. Title, Democrats Back Off Once Fervent Embrace of Medicare for All. <gasps> Holy moly mackerel. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What's happening now? I hope all the soccer moms and suburban moms are paying attention. This show is dedicated to you because you've gone soft. Because you don't understand what's coming. I'm here to help you. They're backing off Medicare for all. Why? Because conservatives and some Republicans have revealed the fact that Medicare for all is a lie. Medicare for all means Medicare is going to be destroyed. Hello! It's going to be eliminated. All the payroll taxes you've paid into Medicare, all you seniors now who've who can't really have any other choice because now you're retired. Many of you are very ill. The Democrats want to eliminate Medicare. Do you understand what I'm saying? They want to give, they want to create a centralized health care system given to everybody, including illegal aliens. Now, some of you in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, older, who spend much of your life paying into this program, and are benefiting it from now? Can you imagine an illegal alien walks into this country? And they're automatically covered. Because, for God's sakes, how can we not cover everybody? It's a right. Every human being has a right. So I put it to the test some time ago, and let me put it to the test again. If health care for all is a human right, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> please listen carefully. In the suburbs of America that's going soft, going Democrat, going stupid. I know, I live in the suburbs. I'm surrounded by stupid. 
when I go to the polls, stupid people in front of me, behind me. But anyway, if health care is a human right, then why do we have to wait for people to crawl over the border to get it? There's 7 billion other human beings out there. Children. People struggling. All across the world. And one magnificent culture after another. You're not allowed to call them asshole countries. No, no, no. One magnificent paradise after another. From Venezuela to Zimbabwe, Bangladesh, magnificent paradises. People struggling to get to America. Well, why should they have to come here? Let's just give them free health care, right? Let's just say we're a borderless world. Isn't what the globalists want? We're borderless. We have no borders in America. We're not a nation state. It's pan-America. Let the UN rule. Let the EU rule. Let everybody but us rule ourselves. Think about it. Marxism is international. Socialism is international. Open borders means we have no borders. So if we have no borders, why do people have to struggle to come here to get our welfare benefits? Just give it to them. Just have them apply. Or better yet, go over there and give it to them. Now, isn't that nuts? But isn't that the logical, rational point of how crazy these fools are? Healthcare is not a right. Liberty is a right. Unalienable rights are rights. Private property is a right. Something you earn with your own hands, your own mind, and spend your life working on. That's a right. Not to be molested. That's a right. Healthcare is something you need to earn. A home, a roof over your head is something you have to earn. Transportation is something you have to earn. And it's a good thing that you go out and earn these things. And you create wealth. And you create benefits. And you grow an economy. And you create a civil society. Not a government-run society, a civil society. Wherever health care is a right, you don't get health care. Have you noticed that? Wherever health care is a right, you're waiting in line. In Canada, Americans aren't running to Canada for health care. Canadians run to America. How about that? Americans aren't flying to Britain for health care. No, the British are flying to America for health care. How about that? And yet in Canada and Britain, health care is a right. It's a right. The media in our country. The media, you see, it's the it's the the voice through which information is provided to the American people. That's why we have freedom of the press. Because at least the theory was that people in the press would be patriotic, would support the principles of the founding. But now you know most of them are not. Look at the New York Times. They even want a different founding date. That's 1619. What? Because we say so. What are you talking about? Well, you look at the Declaration of Independence, it rejects slavery. You look at the Constitution, it rejects slavery too. It cuts it off. But they hate the Declaration 
and they hate the Constitution. They like big, centralized, authoritarian government, as long as, of course, they continue to make their profits and can continue to be on TV and have their newspapers. What these damn fools don't understand is all that'll end. I'll be right back. Lovin. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. Well, liberals are attacking cops again. I want to get into that. Liberals are attacking Trump again because he supports the Second Amendment and rejects anti-Semitism. Uh, which is a growing uh, part of the Democrat platform, I'm, I'm guessing. Unspoken, of course, but it is what it is. Uh, we're going to get into all that as well. Uh, and I think the first hour of this program was very important. Oh, yes, they're attacking the president. Look, we need more comprehensive background checks. Now, can somebody tell me what that means? You know... About 60, 65% of the country doesn't own weapons, so they've never been through a background check. I have five guns. I've been through five background checks. Well, Mark, you're different. You know people. I'm not different at all. I got all my guns at a gun show over the course of the Obama administration when he was threatening to destroy the Second Amendment. The FBI keeps a database, and Saturday, Sunday, Monday through Friday... It's accessed. And you sit there, you fill out the paperwork and take 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Whatever it is. I don't know what people are... We need more extensive background checks. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? What about the gun show loophole? Remember Remember that? Less than one-tenth of one percent of guns purchased through the gun show loophole. That is... Somebody bringing in their gun and selling it to somebody else. None of them have been involved in any mass murder. That's just a shiny object. Meanwhile, wonderful local law enforcement on four different occasions in the last week to ten days have stopped four 
possible mass murders. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You notice Democrats rarely talk about actual victims of crime they never talk about victims of crime they talk about a racist criminal justice system or an unfair criminal justice system or they'll talk about uh, bad cops I just told you in the last week to 10 days I think it's been about a week four potential mass murders were stopped by local police officers four that's how you stop mass killings do they get credit if they hadn't stopped one of those it'd be a disaster and they have to stop all of them in order to stop every one of them right and yet look at the national attention it gets almost none We always are pushing the left's agenda. A racist society, attack the Second Amendment, cops are corrupt. Oh, not all of them, you know, just, uh, and so forth and so on. California's really going to hell. I mean, it is the Petri dish of the left out there. Illinois is a close second. New York's a close third. But California's way out there. I I can remember as a kid that it really was true. It really was the Golden State where anything you wanted to happen, you go to California and it'll make it big. Not just an entertainment, business, anything. Now it's let's get the hell out of here. They're killing me in here. It's sad. It's terrible. So we have uh, Gavin Newsom on CNN yesterday. This guy with the uh, little dabble, do you, grease hair that he, that he puts in his hair, the grease he puts in his hair, it's really, thinks he's very cool. He's not. Very debonair. He's very debastupid. And his flashy suits. Another guy who inherited money. But he's a social warrior. He's a social warrior, this Gavin Newsom. You know, he wants to be president. They all want to be president. This is, this is what makes me sick to my stomach. They shouldn't be running a 7-Eleven. They all want to be president. Based on what? Well, Obama pulled it off. He had nothing. He became president. So, of course, he's interviewed by Van Jones, a well-known Marxist. But he's liked by the Koch brothers and others. Because when they go left and soft, Van Jones, you know, he's willing to be... Standing next to them. Cut five, go. Talk to the police officers in California. Uh, You're going to sign a piece of paper that says that if they use deadly force, it has to be not a reasonable use, but necessary. So let's stop right there. What does that mean? Reasonable has been the standard really as long as I think we've had 
codified law. Reasonable. You have to reasonably use necessary. How do you know if the force you used was necessary before everything's over? You reasonably believed it was necessary. Maybe it turned out in certain instances it wasn't. But you reasonably believed as the reasonable man. That's the standard. The reasonable man. Excuse me. Reasonable people standard. A reasonable person standing in your shoes would believe X, Y, Z. Now it's the necessary standard. You only used deadly force because it was absolutely necessary. So now a cop has to figure, well, what the hell does that mean? I can't figure that out necessarily, conclusively, when I pull a gun out of my holster or I pull a shotgun off the rack. I'm no longer the reasonable man standard. Now, keep something in mind. The reasonable test will apply to everyone else in the country who uses a gun under our criminal law system. Except for cops. Necessary. It was necessary to use deadly force. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know, but in California, don't sweat. You're going to have some felons on these juries now. Right, Mr. Producer? They'll get to make decisions, too. Maybe soon you'll have illegal aliens on the juries. Who knows? Why not illegal alien judges? What the hell? Why not ex-felons as judges? We can get this whole thing fixed, can't we? Anyway, go ahead. Shouldn't they be very worried tomorrow morning going to work that they're going to get in trouble no. in a tough situation? No, they should only be worried if we don't commensurate with this legislation, support the training of those officers. Yeah, the training has nothing to do with it. They have to make a split-second decision. It's not about training. They're already trained. They're not pulling their gun out saying, you know, is it a reasonable standard or necessary standard? Or, or, or so. they're, they're already trained, and they're already instinctive, and they already use common sense and reason. Reason, that's the standard. You see, necessary moves it towards a strict liability. Follow me. If it turns out, per chance, that you were wrong, even though it was reasonable to do what you did, And even though it was reasonable for a jury to conclude what you did, turns out it wasn't necessary. Well, you're done. Now, this is the standard that cops in California are going to have to live under. They're going to turn all police forces in California into the Baltimore Police Department, the way they destroyed that department, these political hacks. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, training. What, what is the difference in a training environment when you're tra- training an officer to use deadly force only when it's necessary as opposed to when it might be reasonable? What's now the let, difference? Let me, let me say this, Van Jones. I'm impressed. You're asking important questions. Now let's see what the uh, lunatic says. Go ahead. We're about to explore that because we're going to invest an unprecedented amount of money. Now listen to that. I don't know. That's all he has to say. I don't know. We're going to have to explore that because we're going to invest all kinds of money to figure it out. You just put a standard in place. You're going to train to the standard. And honestly, Van Jones, and if, if he's serious about his questions, and I, we have no idea how the hell you're going to train somebody 
at a split-second decision to know whether to use reasonable force or whether the force in the end turns out to have been necessary. But listen to this, this, this polished polemicist. Go ahead. Of dollars to move through a process of going step by step through de-escalization and focusing now with much more escalization de-escalization of what ladies and gentlemen we need to strengthen our police forces you don't like mass killings then police forces need to have the the ability to deal with them before they happen if they can School districts need to talk to the cops about certain students if they need to. This isn't a Second Amendment issue. This is a local issue. If the schools don't get it right, if the local businesses don't get it right, if local law enforcement, if their hands are not tied and they can't get it right, people are going to get killed. And they're going to get killed anyway. But less people will be killed. Like in this instance, four instances in the last week. Will local law enforcement stop mass murders? And the reason this doesn't get the attention it deserves, it doesn't fit the narrative that Washington has the answers and it's the Second Amendment. You can't show me a mass murder where our existing gun laws worked. Well, Mark, that's the point. We need more. No, 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 no. They're supposed to stop them every time we pass them. Go ahead. Changing the culture of policing. But what's happened, with all due respect, in the past is that we have been forcing a lot of expectations. Just listen to this. He asked him, what are you going to train them to do? He has no answer. This guy's like DiCamio in New York. What are you going to train the cops to do? He's got no substantive answer. Bernie Sanders, how are you going to pay for Medicare for all? No substantive answer. No talk about victims here. Go ahead. Officers without providing the support and resources to train those officers. Now, the world of policing is radically changing, particularly in a state like California, where you're becoming often a social worker and you're dealing with issues of behavioral health and substance abuse. But we're not funding, we're not training programs to help those officers, particularly new officers, uh, deal with those circumstances. This is appalling. This is absolutely disgusting. This clown knows nothing about law enforcement. Nothing. Even his propaganda is incoherent. I really feel bad for the cops in this country. I really do. Look at what's going on in New York City. Look at what's going on in the state of California. You look what's going on in Baltimore. Look at all these these cities that need cops more than any other place in the country. You look at California, lawlessness, whether it's immigration, whatever it is, absolute lawlessness. And the people suffer. Look at the cities in California. The level of homelessness is unmatched anywhere in the country. Human feces in the streets, needles, people putting up pup tents in front of businesses. Businesses now saying, we got to get the hell out of here. The civil society has been destroyed by these leftists. This is exactly why when our president went after Elijah Cummings and his abject 
evident, obvious failures as a leader in that city is exposed by a president, he has to be called a racist, the president. He has to be attacked by the Democrat Party, by the media, by a number of French Republicans, the Republics. And so they have to continue to advance their narrative. There's Trump again, a pattern of racism. No. Pattern is defending the, 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 the pattern. The president is defending the people of Baltimore from their phony political one-party state leadership, which they can't break out from under. And it's happened now to an entire state of California. The police in this country are under attack by the Democrat Party. They're under attack by the left. They're under attack by reprobates. And now the word reform is attached to every non-reform that's being pushed out there. Sentencing reform means taking criminals and putting them out on the street. That's what most of that means. You paying attention, uh, ladies in the uh, suburbs? I'm just I'm, I'm trying to educate you, trying to inform you. What did you see the president's tweet? Hey, hey, focus, focus. I'll be right back. Mark You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. We're just going to train the cops to read people's minds, that's all. And if they don't successfully do it, then we'll punish them. That's all. We're going to change the culture of policing in California. So he has no idea, and it is an extraordinarily dangerous thing for the police officers, number one, and the communities, number two. This is a loathsome man, this Gavin Newsom. Then there's Bernie Sanders. All right, Bernie, as I said earlier, your health care plan, you want to take over private health care. Now, that means an awful lot of people aren't going to have the health care they have who rely on it. In nursing homes, adult care facilities, uh, who have all kinds of diseases, they need infusions, they need special drugs, they need this. Don't worry, the government's going to take it over. Really? But we've seen what happens when the government takes over health care all over the world. It's not better anywhere than in the United States. So how are you going to pay for this? Cut six, go. 
Now, I, it, it, you, know, you can ask me, all right, how much is it going to cost? I don't have that in my pocket. Nobody does. We're talking about well over $3 trillion a year, which is what we're paying. We have no idea. Well over $3 trillion, that's all I know. Please don't bother me with that. Well, the problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is not only it affects society, your pocket, your family, and everything else, how are you going to prevent rationing? Where's all this money going to be focused? Who's going to make all those decisions? Not you. How do you get out of this system if it's not working for you? You don't. Cut seven, go. Wouldn't the Medicare for plan, wouldn't that take away our right to bargain for our, uh, our medical benefits? So here's a union guy who says, wouldn't this take away our right to bargain for union benefits? I mean, we got, you know, we bargain for stuff, pensions, uh, health care benefits, salaries. And this is all part of the puzzle when we're, you know, negotiating our deal. You're just going to take away our health care? says, yeah, go ahead. Wouldn't the Medicare for plan, wouldn't that take away our right to bargain for our, uh, our medical benefits? That yeah, we get from absolutely the it would. It's not a bad thing. How about bargaining for decent wages? Good. This is a man, ladies and gentlemen, who's never held a real job, not even a 9-to-5 job, let alone a 12, 14-hour-a-day job. This man has never held a private sector job. He's never been union. He's never been non-union. He's never been anything. He's an abstract Marxist ideologue. And they just keep trying their techniques on one society after another. You actually believe it can work in this country? Can't work in any country. Man is man. Nature is nature. Economics is economics. The bureaucrats in one country aren't smarter than the bureaucrats in another country. They're all protected from the private sector. They're all funded by the private sector. doesn't mean they're all bad people. They're wonderful bureaucrats. Many of them doing very important jobs. But then there's the usual. The loafers. But let's say they're the best and the smartest and the most earnest and studious bureaucrats on the face of the planet. They can't possibly run our health care system. It's hard enough to run a hospital with all the decisions that have to be made. How can some guy in Washington, D.C., genius, let's say, Einstein IQ, how can they run a health care system which is so complex? It's so difficult. How can they possibly have all the information all the inputted information necessary to make rational decisions. They can't. They make decisions based on their own ideology, their own predilections, their own biases, their own desires, and they substitute them for your real-world needs and concerns. The answer is to have more choice, more competition, more options. So you, you suburban ladies who are worried about Donald Trump and not worried about Bernie Sanders, so you can make the decisions about what you need for yourself and your family. Not a GS-14 at the Department of Widgets in Bethesda, Maryland. I'll be right back. 
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Talk to Mark. We have two numbers for you to call. For regular Americans, call 877-381-3811. For liberals, call 877-381-3811. You know, we're hearing reports constantly now that after talking to the head of the NRA, the president has changed his mind on some of these gun control ideas. And they're playing a video of the president from August 9th and playing what he said today. If they're talking to, you know, Wayne Lapierre. Maybe the president changed his mind because he figured out that these things won't work. He actually took his time, stepped back, studied it, and made a presidential decision. But no, no, no. Trump doesn't get to do those, you see. He's just a plaything of these various entities out there. And yet he more than anyone else, is not. Now, let me analyze this for you. I promise you, if you have unfreedom of the press or you read it, you'll be able to do this too. Do they ever say the Democrats have taken a position in support of infanticide after they made calls to Planned Parenthood? The Democrats support open borders after they made calls to La Raza? The Democrats support... This kind of gun control or even gun confiscation after they spoke to Handgun Control Inc.? Do they ever say the Democrats did this or that because fill in the blank, they talked to the NEA, to the trial lord? No, 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 no. The Democrats just come up with their genius on their own. The president is influenced by a myopic, narrow, special interest. The NRA. The NRA. He's incapable of thinking for himself. Now they say that out of one side of their mouth, and then out of the other side of the mouth they say, these proposals that the Democrats are pushing have massive public support. So if the president wanted to take the short road to greater popularity based on what these reporters are saying, he would reject the NRA. Right? He turned into Mitt Romney. Or one of those. So he appears to be standing his ground as a principled matter, as a reasonable matter, maybe even as a necessary matter. And he's saying, what kind of background checks could, would have fixed this? None. None. 
What kind of red flag would have fixed this at the national level? None. Well, why would I adopt all this stuff? It's like we've been saying. None of this will have any effect. Well, maybe he thought about it and looked at No, no, no. After talking to the head of the NRA, so it all came As I say, they would never say Nancy Pelosi. After talking to Laza, said not one dollar towards the wall. Chuck Schumer, after talking to handgun controlling, said we must outlaw semi-automatic weapons. No, they won't say that. Bernie Sanders, after talking to CPUSA, you know what that is, Mr. Producer? Communist Party USA. Just just suggestion, just a thought. Decided, no, 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 the union guys, you can't keep your health care. You see, it's always nefarious when it comes to our principles, our beliefs, our values, which used to be fairly ubiquitous, less so now. Our founding principles, our founding beliefs. But the president, you see, he's the lapdog for Wayne Lapierre. Pelosi's not the lapdog for plan. No, no, no. No, it can't be. I tell you, there is a way to unravel and decipher what goes on in this country through the media. And I lay out all the guidance you'll need in unfreedom of the press. You just got to be watchful. You got to be on your toes. You'll be able to do this. And it becomes very important because they look dumber and dumber, more and more pathetic, more and more left-wing, more and more agenda-driven. You don't even need links for meetings at the near Hey, you know what? America really started in 1619 with slave. Who says? We say. We're the New York Times. Tell me, do you know when the Holocaust started? Hey, don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. That we put behind us. We learn from that. Oh, you learn from the Holocaust. Isn't that swell? Tell me, did you learn from the Russia collusion lie? It was never a lie. Never a lie. We, had, we won two Pulitzer Prizes out of that. What they should have gotten is two Putzler Prizes, as I call them now. They're Putzler Prizes. They got Pulitzer Prizes for reporting about nothing? There's no self-policing in that phony profession. Low IQ, politically driven, bunch of opinionated snobs who used to sit in the back seats of political science class or whatever the class is, thinking they're smarter than everyone else, and they're actually pretty stupid. You know, last week I told you how the Department of Health and Human Services, excuse me, wanted to adopt the Bernie Sanders idea of allowing states to import drugs without a system to ensure those drugs would be safe was a bad idea. Well, this week we're learning that HHS wants to include yet another of Bernie Sanders' harebrained ideas in the president's new proposed health care reform plan. The idea is to import foreign price controls from socialist countries. Known as international price indexing, this proposal will be the first step towards socializing our health care, starting with prescription drugs. The result of price indexing will be the same as they are in countries with socialized medicine, a complete disaster. Rationing 
less access to the latest and best treatments and a loss of needed investment to get the next treatment breakthroughs. These charges will undoubtedly cost America its standing as the world's innovator in new drug treatments and could cost lives. So for conservatives, these changes need to be resisted, for Americans too, and let's hope so. The answer to lower drug costs is transparency, free markets, competition. Not more crackpot, centralized government, socialist ideas. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. We are live and national, so I want to ask Mr. Producer, is our connection okay? Still here, a little staticky, or are you okay? Getting a lot of lightning where I am, <clears throat> so i got to keep an eye on it. Zeus is angry. People are saying to me, Mark, why do you sound so good today? Yesterday you were a little shaky. Wednesday you were shaky, shaky. So I took this anti-nausea pill, Zofrin. This is what I mean. How amazing America is. And so far, it's kept the nausea down. I, get, I have it most of the day, unfortunately. No, I'm not pregnant. Uh, and but. And I've been sitting here with ginger ale. And so far, it's kept things under control. Now, after the show, who the hell knows what's going to happen. And oddly enough, the Zofrin, which has kept my nausea under control, now you know what I'm in the mood for, Mr. Producer? A steak sandwich with fried onions. Steak sandwich with fried onions. Uh Uh-oh, ready for this? And ketchup. No cheese. I can't eat cheese. Well, you know, the president and I have something in common, as has been reported. He likes his steak well done, and he likes it with Heinz ketchup. That's not a rumor. That's a fact. As do I. Mark, you're ruining this. You know, I liked you, but for the way you ate it. Hey, hey. Calm down. And what is this uh, Burger King? This What is it? Impossible Burger? Is that what they're calling it? It looks like a real hamburger, but can it really taste like a hamburger? I'm going to try it one day. You know why, Mr. Producer? Why do you think? Open the mic. Why do you think I would try it? I have no clue. They're honest? No, I'll get all the cattlemen upset. If I could eat something that tastes like a hamburger that's not a hamburger, I'll eat it. Why wouldn't I? We'll have to see. Would you try one, please? I'll buy it for you. I will try it. You try it. But I'm rather than me. I'm like, eh, I don't know. You try it. Let me know what it costs. And uh, you'll let you'll let me know. Seriously. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, next hour. There's a disgusting Washington Post article that just came out by, let's see, Felicia Sanmez and John Wagner. Trump says any Jewish people who vote for Democrats are showing great disloyalty or lack of knowledge. And let me tell you what these two know-nothing reporters have done. They have written a piece that is laced with BS. And I'm going to go through it lie by lie. So far, I've counted nine lies. So here we have a president who's loyal to Jews, 
who is loyal to the state of Israel, who speaks out against the anti-Semites in the Democrat Party, in the Washington Post, through various media tricks, absolute trickery, mind games, is trying to convince you that he's an anti-Semite who just spewed a blood libel. They are liars, they are disgusting, and they will be exposed in the next hour by me. We'll be right back. Lovin. With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. nice if search engines and social media sites were unbiased platforms that didn't choose a side politically? Well, keep dreaming. In 2016, the tech elites of Google bragged about donating millions of dollars to Hillary's campaign. Big tech, these companies that restrict the free speech rights of conservatives are the very same corporations we're trusting to handle our personal data online. They just had a Washington D. law firm do a review. Oh, we don't discriminate against conservatives. Yeah, thank you. Now, I don't want them using my web history or video searches against me. Do you? That's why I use ExpressVPN every time I go online. When I use ExpressVPN, these tech companies can't see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and made anonymous. ExpressVPN is the best. ExpressVPN has added benefits of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from hackers and Internet bad guys. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. I have to tell you folks something. I love this format more than anything else I do. I do a lot, but this is the format I love. Everybody thinks I started when I was in my 40s. That's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. When I was a kid going to sleep at night, I would listen to talk radio. 
back then WCAU in Philadelphia. Now it's the great WPHD. Never did I believe I'd be back on WPHT. Look at this. My wonderful city of Philadelphia. And I would listen to talk radio. I'd also listen to an FM talk station that had great local hosts. And I was mesmerized by this. It helped put me to sleep, although I'd stayed up till like midnight or one in the morning listening. One of my favorite hosts was called Dominic Quinn. But I heard others. Bob Grant, for a period of time, came to Philadelphia. And then I would work my antenna and make sure I could hear him when he was on WABC or WOR, depending on which station screwed him over. And I would find others who fascinated me. So I had an ear for it. I was I call myself a professional talk radio listener. And I kept writing WCAU over and over and over again on my typewriter. Can I do one show, just one show, just one hour, one time, that's all I want to do. Please, 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 please. Back then, I think they had Jolie Spivak as an example on WCAU. And... They allowed me to do about 30 minutes. Boy, did I stink. But they allowed me to do it. And it's always been in my bloodstream. I never knew how to get into radio or anything like that. So I went on as a local activist as a kid, 13 years old, working for different candidates, working for Reagan, working for the most conservative candidates I could, forming a group called Citizens for Tax Limitation, well before the Tea Party. Ran for local office while I was in law school and won. I went, left the area to do what I wanted to do in the Reagan administration. But it was never out of my system, so I would listen to radio, local radio. would listen to WTOP in, New York, in Washington. There was WRC, which was a talk station back then. I would call them from time to time. There's the great WMAL, and it is a great talk station. Not just because I'm on it. They have a great program director, Bill Hess, and a great lineup. As do most of the affiliates somewhat. Then I would listen to Rush and Sean and others. And others. So even as I was practicing law, I wanted to influence what was going on out there. And I'd write things. And I'd speak to the different hosts. That's how this whole thing got started. But it wasn't one person who did it. or one. Th- I, I often tell our own kids, I often tell other people, they ask me, how'd you get started? I said, opportunity. You've got to be around for opportunity. So from the time I was 16... I didn't get into radio till how long has it been now, Rich? 16, 15, 16 years when? September? It'll be 16 years. Okay. But the first one to actually have me as a sub, well, there were three, really. Uh, Ollie North and 
jeez, I forgot his. I'm looking at him right in my eye. Sorry. And uh, and Sean Hannity wasn't Rush as a first time as a sub. Then uh, then I got to meet these other people, including Rush, Ray Rush Limbaugh, who obviously changed the entire genre. All right, I don't know why I'm talking about all this. I'll tell you why, because it gets me, makes me happy to do this job. Please listen to the next hour. It's going to be crucially important. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here, our final hour. Hope you're excited and ready for it. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So whenever we cover stories, we have to cover the media because the media bring us the stories. So let's get started. This just came out. Just in time for little old me. The Washington Compost, which also covered up the Holocaust, by Felicia Sanmez and John Wagner. President, well, let's play this first. Let's play Cut 12, Mr. Producer, from the Oval Office today. Go ahead. And if you look at their itinerary before they found out, you take a look at their itinerary, that was all going to be a propaganda tour against He's Israel. talking, of course, at Talib and Omar, and he's exactly right. Go ahead. Before they found out, you take a look at their itinerary, that was all going to be a propaganda tour against Israel. So I don't blame Israel for doing what they did. I have nothing to do with it, but I don't blame them for doing what they did. I think it would have been very bad to let them in, including the four. I'm talking about all four, but these two that wanted to get in, Omar and Tlaib. And I think it would be a very bad thing for Israel, but Israel has to do what they want to do. But I would not cut off aid to Israel. And I can't even believe that we're having this conversation. Five years ago, the concept of even talking about this, even three years ago, of cutting off aid to Israel because of two people that hate Israel and hate Jewish people. I can't believe we're even having this conversation. And by the way, he's so right on. Every Jew in America should be standing up and applauding this man. But wait. Go ahead. Where has the Democratic Party gone? Where have they gone where they're defending these two people over the state of Israel? Here and you I go. think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat... Uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Oh, you're not allowed to say that. All these establishment Jewish organizations, most of whom, which are headed by liberals. You're not allowed to say that, Mr. President. You must be an anti-Semite. They're defending anti-Semites. He's attacking them, but he must be the anti-Semite, you see. He is a record. A strong, long, dense record of supporting the state of Israel. APAC is all hot air. The ADL now is controlled by an Obamaite. And all these other similar organizations. They're weak. When push comes to shove, they run. <laughs> 
The greatest spokesman for Israel today is the President of the United States, who's a Gentile. As he is the greatest spokesman for America. And there's a reason for that. Shared principles and values. Judeo-Christian belief system. Which is why Trump and Netanyahu are both under attack by the same reprobates. But let's go to the Washington Compost. By the way, has the Washington Compost ever written a news article supporting any one of President Trump's policies? I've been thinking about this. I'm not even talking about the opinion page. We know that's not. But it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it? But have they written one article supporting any of his positions? Maybe one. So Sanmez and Wagner. President Trump on Tuesday, you just heard him, said that any Jewish people who vote for Democrats are, first of all, they're cherry picking. They're stealing one line, the last line, but that's okay. We'll deal with it. Either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty, prompting an outcry from critics who said the president's remarks were promoting anti-Semitic stereotypes. How often does the Washington Post come to me when I criticize Talib or Omar or any of these leftists and say, look at this, there's outcry from the critics. We talked to Mark Levin. You got guys writing books about me and talk radio, don't even call me. Let's go on. Trump made the comment in exchange with reporters in the Oval Office out of a meeting with Romanian president. Klaus, whatever. Trump began by lashing out. You heard what he said. <clears throat> so we don't need interpretation. Critics on both sides of the aisle. We ever had an article like this about Obama? Who was, in my view, an anti-Semite who's unleashed all this racialism? Who helped turn his party into what it is today? With his association with Wright and Khalidi and other uh, malcontents and miscreants. Oh, I know, I have my buddies out there, like Phil Klein and other. This is disgusting. This, this is unbelievable. This is a long-time anti-Semitic trope. Excuse me, it is? It is? Saying that Jews should be loyal to themselves? I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, Phil, and everybody else. American Jews, like all Americans, have a range of political views and policy priorities. David Harris, CEO of the nonpartisan American Jewish Committee, another lib group, said in a statement, his assessment of their knowledge or loyalty based on their party preferences is inappropriate, unwelcome, and outright dangerous. How is it dangerous? These clowns thought that Talib and Omar, that Israel was wrong and they should have been allowed in Israel. These guys have been on the wrong side of a lot. Then they go to the Anti-Defamation League, which has now been turned over to Jonathan Greenblatt, not to be confused with the great Jason Greenblatt, who is a Trump guy. Said that while it was unclear to whom Trump was claiming Jews would be disloyal, charges of disloyalty have long been used to attack Jews. You see how sickening this is? As we've said before, it's possible to engage in the democratic process without these claims. It's long overdue to stop using Jews as a football. Really, you jackass? That's your whole existence. Then, of course, they go to Beto O'Rourke. Everybody goes to Beto O'Rourke when they want to know about Judaism. 
Omar was roundly criticized by members of both parties for saying during a town hall earlier this year that she wanted to discuss the political influence in this country that says it's okay for people to push for allegiance to a foreign country. So now they're going to compare Omar to Trump? Then they go to Jace. Well, that, this is a disgusting comment that indicates Trump has no idea why many of us have been so sickened by the anti-Semitism of Omar and Tully. Phil, I'll tell you, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I've spent hours with Trump talking about this. You have no idea what you're talking about. None. And he does. And he does. Then they keep quoting Omar. Omar responded to the president's morale. Oh my. Followed by a face palm emoji. Why is Omar in this story? Well, you know, anti-Semitism. There's no anti-Semitism here. They go to J Street constantly. A liberal Jewish group. No, it isn't a liberal Jewish group. It's a self-hating Jewish group. Said the vast majority of American Jews are loyal to the Jewish and liberal Democrat values of tolerance. It's not what he said president talked about the democrat party you have to be helen keller not to hear and see what the democrat party is turning into it's a disgusting disgrace and so is the washington post and so is this outrageous article now it's a long article but let me go through this lie by lie lie number one they support the boycott divestment and sanctions movement a global protest of israel the reporters write It's not a global protest. It's a campaign to destroy the state of Israel, the Jewish state. Line number two, Trump's use of the word disloyalty echoed anti-Semitic tropes accusing Jews of dual allegiance. It's a total lie. It's a perfectly appropriate and accurate attack on the Democrats. When you're talking about dual allegiance, what does this have to do with dual allegiance? What does this have to do with dual allegiance? This is what I'm accused of. Wow. You have allegiance to the U.S., maybe Levin, but clearly to Israel. There's no dual allegiance issue even here. It's nonsensical. It's incoherent. Line number three, some. Notice the word some, meaning the reporters themselves. Noted that the overwhelming majority of American Jews have long voted Democratic. True and mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. This is something that is discussed among conservative Jews all the time. So you're not allowed to discuss it? Not allowed to raise it? Line number four from the article, quote, Tuesday was not the first time that Trump's remarks about Jewish people have prompted criticism. His comments weren't about Jews. They were about Democrats. Trump's defense of Jews is now twisted into attacks against Jews. Because this is what the slimeball media leftists do. This is how they piece together an article and drop it at 7 p.m. Eastern time at night in order to influence all the morning shows. You watch. Mediaite. Oh, Joe Scarborough and Mika, what do they have to say? Media matters. All the same leftist clowns who defend Omar and Talib and Aach. <laughs> Here we have actual ties between Talib and a guy who supports Hamas, uh, Hezbollah. Actual, substantive evidence 
of her Jew-hating and her anti-Semitism. And they treat her like a civil rights leader. Same with Omar. The most disgusting statements. Time and time and time again. You're going to compare that to the president and his actions? Shame on these people. Line number five from the article. The president had expressed similar sentiments to the Republican Jewish Committee in 2015 when he was running for the GOP presidential nomination. Really? Trump expressed similar sentiments to Holocaust denial comparing Jews to Nazis? This is your Washington compost. If you don't get it, get an enema. Line number six. Sorry, folks, I got to do this. If I don't do it, nobody else is. Talib started to cry. She explained why she will not be making the visit under condi- conditions demanded by the Israeli government, including a pledge in writing not to promote boycotts against Israel while there. She was the one who offered in writing. It's out there. You can see it on Google. To refrain from doing everything she now accuses Israel of preventing her from doing. That was her letter. Lie number seven. Quote, the four minority congresswomen known on Capitol Hill as the squad. Really? They're known on Capitol Hill as the squad? Aren't they cool? Why did Zudi Jasser on this program last night? He's Muslim. Uh, he runs an organization that's, that's not quoted in this story, I might add, and quoted in very few stories. Because he's a pro-American, patriotic Muslim. And you can't promote those people. Just like you promote only certain African Americans. Only certain Latinos. And only certain Jews. And he said, Talib and Omar, remember this Mr. Call Screener? Are jihadists. No, no, not jihadists. Islamists. I corrected it. Islamists. And he explained it at length. You can listen to it on the... uh, on the replay. Line number f- seven. The four minority congresswomen. Oh, I already did that. Line number eight. Last week, Israel announced that it was play- banning Talib and Omar from entering a country on a tram pl- uh, uh, planned trip, the bulk of which was to be centered in the Palestinian territories in East Jerusalem. All of it was centered. All of it was centered there. Because it was planned by a terrorist front group. Promoting their two friends, Washington Compost, and number nine, the biggest lie of all, quote, Israeli officials, quote unquote, middle sentence, Israeli officials for stopping the two congresswomen from visiting Israel and the neighboring Palestinian territories to learn about settlement expansion and humanitarian conditions. No, they stopped them from visiting because they seek the destruction of Israel. They seek the destruction of Israel. The Washington Post is a propaganda machine. These reporters are propagandists. They are leftists. They take an innocent statement by the President of the United States. They cherry-pick the people they're going to contact. Some of them are willing fools. Some of them are hard-winged leftists to attack the president. 
So now the president, you see, has a pattern of these comments. He's got a pattern of anti-Semitism, pattern of racism, pattern of mental instability, all kinds of patterns here. Damnable lies, one after another. I'm an American Jew, and I want to thank my president for his patriotism for this country, and I want to thank my president for the incredible things he does for this country. I want to thank my president for doing more than any former president to support our little ally in the Middle East, which is surrounded by enemies, the state of Israel. I want him to know that I am not the only American Jew who couldn't be more thrilled, excited about what he does. And the fact that he stands up to these anti-Semitic reprobates in the Democrat Party, and he stands up to the phony Jewish establishment in Washington, D.C. and New York City, and he stands up for what's right, is a great thing. Thank you, Mr. President. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I was doing a little digging around. Two of the men who are under attack by the anti-Semitic wing of the Democratic Party. That's right, I said it! Are uh, David Freeman and Ron Dermer. I consider both of these men friends of mine. I didn't know them prior to a couple of years ago. They're remarkable men. And I was doing a little digging, and I found something that Dermer wrote in March 2005. <clears throat> you know, he was born in America. His mother was Israeli. His father was the mayor of Miami Beach. His brother was the mayor of Miami Beach. His brother and his mother still live in Miami, American citizens. He went to Israel to serve that country because he felt that country needed him. And in order to do that, to serve in a governmental position here or there, he had to renounce his American citizenship, which was extraordinarily painful for him. But I want to read you something about it. So you see the difference between the sides. The side of righteousness versus the side of totalitarianism, anti-Semitism, propaganda, and so forth. There really is a bright light of liberty and humanity on the side where we sit, ladies and gentlemen. When I return... The media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. Well, you know, I prepare these shows with 10 hours worth of uh, content. We only get to three. By the way, I'd be remiss in my little history lesson about radio if I didn't mention the great WWDB. That was the FM station. And my dear friend Ken Bohm, who passed away a few years back, wasn't that much older than I am. 
And he had this show real fast, Friday, Saturday, 1 in the morning to 5 in the morning. And I would drive from Cheltenham outside of Philadelphia to their station. And I'd sit there across from him and watch him. And we would pass notes back and forth. And I was 15, 16. I did it for a couple of years. And also uh, the great Bill Corsair, tremendous broadcast talent, the Little Rascals. Again, when I was 13, 14 years old, I'd go up to our attic and I'd call him. He was on like midnight to five in the morning on the weekends. And I would sit online for like an hour, hour and a half just to talk to him. Fascinating guy in show. He's still a buddy today, he and his beautiful wife. All right. I want to get back into this. And of course, the, 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 the program director, who, who was 100% behind me, <laughs> didn't even try me out, was the great Phil Boyce. No question about that. You know, according to studies, just over 10% of break-ins are planned beforehand. The rest are spur of the moment. Crimes of opportunity. In other words, they're random. Do you know most break-ins happen between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. in the middle of the day? Homes without home security are 300% more likely to be broken into. Just assume that's empty. 65% of burglaries are committed by someone that the victim knows. July and August are when most burglaries occur. What's crazy is that only one in five homes have some form of home security. Maybe because most companies really don't make it easy. In fact, they make it very hard, very expensive, and very bureaucratic. Well, that's why my top choice is Simply Safe. Hands down, Simply Safe protects every door, window, room, with 24 professional monitoring, 24/7. Prices are always fair and honest. Round-the-clock monitoring, just 15 bucks a month. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When other home security systems are triggered, a lot of time police assume it's a false alarm, and the call goes to the bottom of the list. Simply Safe uses their video verification technology (coughs) to visually confirm the break-in, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than with other home security companies. Visit simplysafemark.com. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to you go to simplysafemark.com so they know I sent you. That's simplysafemark.com. I have a uh, a letter here <clears throat> that was published in the New York Sun 14 years ago by a gentleman by the name of Ron Dermer. Ron Dermer is the ambassador to the United States from Israel. Ron Dermer's father was the mayor of Miami Beach. Ron Dermer's brother would later become the mayor of Miami Beach. <coughs> he's a Democrat, but he's a moderate, somewhat conservative Democrat, who supported Trump from day one, by the way. That is his brother. Now, if you're going to serve in the Israeli government, or if you're going to serve in the United States government, you have to renounce the citizenship of a country you came from. You can't hold dual citizenship. And Dermer's mother is originally from Israel. He decided he needed to go back to Israel to help that country. It was 2005. And lucky for Israel, he did. He's probably the closest, one of the closest aides to the current prime minister of Israel. 
And here's what he wrote. And I want you to think of Omar and Talib and all the attacks he's under, and Ambassador Freeman's under, and the president's under, and who's attacking them? The anti-Semitic progressive left within the Democrat Party, within the media, and organizations like APAC, the ADL, AJC, groups you never heard of before. But here we go. This is Dermer to his, to his America. He says, the United States insists that foreign diplomats working on its soil not hold American citizenship. The reasonableness of this demand makes my decision to relinquish my citizenship no less difficult. I've always been proud to be an American. I will always be proud to have been an American. For 33 years, I've felt America's warm embrace, and I'm eternally grateful for it. I was born in America, raised in America, formed in America. I've been educated by the wisdom of its founders, inspired by the words of its leaders, and protected by the sacrifices of its soldiers. When I think of freedom, I think of Lincoln. When I think of courage, I think of Normandy. When I think of justice, I think of Martin Luther King Jr. America has convinced me that to achieve greatness, a nation must reconcile faith and freedom. It has taught me that the most vital asset a nation possesses is its own sense of justice. It has shown me the power of freedom to change the lives of individuals, of nations, and of the world. America has inspired hundreds of millions around the globe who hope to import its ideals, and it continues to do so today. But the true greatness of America lies not only in its creed, but also in the people who share it. Americans are a people whose moral sense remains strong and who have been inoculated against the corrosive cynicism that infects so many who live in freedom elsewhere. As long as Americans reject cynicism, America will thrive. As long as Americans continue to be inspired, America will continue to inspire the world. There are those who leave America because they no longer feel at home here. But I've always felt completely at home in America. I left America because I wanted to help another nation I love defend the freedoms that Americans have long taken for granted. I left America to help another people I love fight not merely for their survival, but also for their right to survive. Thousands of miles from the torture of freedom that has welcomed so many to America's shores, Israel carries the torture of freedom in the Middle East, manning the front lines in a war against tyranny and terror is a formidable task. But the Jewish state must also defend freedom in the face of a world that is largely shorn of a moral compass, which a nation's self-defense is called aggression, and which terrorists and their victims are deemed equally entitled to sympathy. It is fitting that America chose the eagle as its national symbol. The Bible says that God bore the children of Israel from slavery on the wings of eagles. Soaring higher than any other bird, the eagle carries its young on its back to protect them from the dangers below. America has soared higher than any other nation in the history of the world and protects its sons and daughters from peril. Now with great sadness, I will leave that protection and face those perils with my new nation. I am confident that America has armed me well for the difficult struggles ahead. It has convinced me that the good can triumph over evil and that a free people united in a common purpose will never be defeated by tyrants. 
That is the current Israeli ambassador of the United of uh, of Israel to the United States. Now, at the end of his comments, he writes, "In order to serve my new country, no, no," he says here. Sorry, the printer didn't get it all. Well, I think I got it all. Now, why did I read that? You listen to Talib. You listen to Omar. You listen to others. Elliot Engel. Nita Lowy. Stempy Hoyer. Charles Schumer. Our media. You listen to APAC and all the rest of the PACs. You read the Washington Compost. And then you listen to what I just read. The beauty of the words. The flow of the sentences. They come from the soul. They come from the heart. That's the ambassador of Israel to the United States. There's not another ambassador from any other country on the face of the earth who would speak of America that way. And the Democrat Party is talking about renouncing him. The Democrat Party is talking about a vote on the floor of the House. A resolution that they've lost faith in this American-born ambassador from Israel who loves both countries, as you heard, whose family lives here. This is how far the Democrat Party has strayed. This is how far many liberal Jews in the Democrat Party have strayed. Talib and Omar hate America. You don't have to take my word for it. Take their word for it. Listen to what they say. Read what they've written. Look who they associate with. The ambassador to Israel loves this country, reveres it, admires it, and today lives in it, as does his family. This is the difference. The President of the United States understands this. He loves America. He loves this country. And when he hears Talib and Omar trash America and trash Israel, he understands what's going on. He understands the shared values and beliefs and principles between these two countries. He understands that for Omar and Talib, when you attack one, you attack both. And he's not a man to hold back. And we shouldn't either. The Democrat Party is devouring itself as it has in the past. You want to talk about a pattern, Washington Post, New York Times, professors, MSNBC, CNN? The Democrat Party is a pattern of hate, bigotry, racism, and anti-Semitism. Don't let a few Democrats elected from Manhattan fool you. Or the pathetically weak minority leader in the Senate fool you. Don't let them fool you. 
80% of the Israeli people support Donald Trump. 80%. Think about that. That's because they're a country in constant, everyday danger of evisceration. And they appreciate a president of the United States who's done what he's done. Who's done what he's done. And I say for this country, while you may have different beliefs and a policy here and there with the president of the United States, this is why he's under attack. The very things Ron Dermer put in his piece are the very things this president believes about this country. But the media have abandoned this country and its principles. The New York Times has confessed. But the New York Times is the tip of the spear. It's the tip of the spear. I'll be right back. Mark Uh, Here was the last paragraph from the uh, Ron Dermer piece. In order to serve my new country, I've decided to renounce my American citizenship. But I will never renounce America or its people. As a faithful son of America, I will never betray its ideals. Serving the state of Israel and working to secure our common future, I will champion those ideals all of my life. May God forever bless America. Now this is the man who sits in the Israeli embassy. Does he sound like somebody who's out to screw our country? Or do Talib and Omar? As a matter of fact, is there a single Democrat in the House of Representatives or the Senate who's as patriotic toward this country as Dermer? I can't think of one. I can't think of a single one. Well, some of them served in the mail. I'm talking about politically. Meanwhile, NBC sends Lester Holt over to interview who? A couple of the, the hatchet men in a genocidal, murderous regime, the Islamo-Nazi Iranian regime, they ask him a bunch of softball questions. They ask them a bunch of softball questions. So in our modern media, they treat these, these, these men with blood on their hands who want nukes to hit our cities with all respect, because it's a big coup, you see, to get an interview and get your ratings up. But they treat Trump like he's quote-unquote Hitler. There they are dealing with Hitlerians. I mean, the world's turned on its head. But that's the nature of the left. They want to commit suicide. Just don't take all the rest of us with you, that's all. You know, demand letters from the IRS are hitting the mail. If you owe back taxes... You may be receiving one soon. And when it arrives, you'll have questions like, now what the hell do I do? Is it true that the IRS can garnish my paycheck? Yes. Can the IRS really take my home and bank accounts? Yes. Can they get my retirement savings? Yes. The IRS can do that and a hell of a lot more. But there is a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an official government program for tax debt assistance. And nobody knows more about the Fresh Start Initiative than the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. Optima's mission is to stand between you and the IRS. 
fighting to help protect your paycheck and assets, and helping you get the best deal possible. But don't delay, because the IRS can tack on heavy penalties and interests every day. Call Optima now for your free consultation while you still have options. Call 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply, but for complete details, you can go to OptimaTaxRelief.com. So NBC Network News got to interview a few of the thugs in the general... You know, to me, it's almost like getting the opportunity to view a couple of Stalin's lieutenants back, back then. Which, of course, the New York Times did. The New York Times was a mouthpiece, a propaganda sheet for Stalin. I'm telling you all this stuff, because how are we going to start American history in 1619? Why don't we start American history in 1932? Mr. Baquette, editor-in-chief. Why don't we do that? Why don't we start in 1932 with Walter Durante and how you guys were mouthpieces for Stalin? Or maybe, if you prefer, we can start, give or take, around 1938 when you did Hitler's bidding by covering up the Holocaust. Should we do that? Yeah, I think so. So for now on... American liberal history on the Mark Levin show begins with the New York Times. Which is handed from one family member to another like a bunch of inbreds. One family member to the other, one family member to the other. Ox and Sulzberger, Sulzberger, Ox, and what's this one? Oh, that's an ox, and there's the Sulzberger. Makes me want to go get a hamburger. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all law enforcement. We stand with you. Keep up, keep your chin up. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Go get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press at Amazon, please, if you haven't. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.